Well, Brother John has just been looking at Matthew chapter 24, and I think it's really important that Jesus makes this statement. Let's just open up our Bibles and, and, and look at these words together, that Jesus makes this statement that the Son of Man is coming in clouds. And, and we should really emphasise the point that there he is standing upon the Mount of Olives and he's speaking about the Son of Man coming in clouds. There's a, there's a certain beauty about that. Jesus is going to ascend into heaven from that very mount. And we've already seen in Zechariah and chapter 14 that his feet are going to stand upon that mount when he returns. So let's just read... These words again in in Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. We've we've seen them a few times. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now hopefully you can remember yesterday that I said there's two aspects of clouds. The first one, the glory of God, his divine presence. And the second one, the regathering. And here you get the regathering, verse 31. So it's part of this theme of the Son of Man coming in clouds. And he has gathered and he's going to regather. Now when you look at verse 30, and it's the end of a long weekend... But when you look at verse 30, it would appear, wouldn't it, that this is describing the Lord Jesus Christ returning in a cloud of angels and then gathering the elect, the saints. And perhaps we have this view. But hopefully you have seen at the end of this weekend that when you come across that loaded phrase, the Son of Man coming in clouds, as he's revealed upon the earth, it is always, without exception, the Lord Jesus Christ with his glorious bride. So with that thought in mind, go back to Matthew 24, verses 30 and 31. It doesn't quite work, does it? It causes a bit of a problem. You've got the Lord Jesus Christ revealing himself with the saints. And then in verse 31, you've got him gathering the saints. Well, the saints are already with him, so they don't need to be gathered. Can you see that? So there's a little bit of a problem there. Well, the one thing I want you to notice right away, that there is something quite important. Um, It says there in verse 30 that all the tribes of the earth shall mourn. And all these verses are so interlocked. Uh, Look what it says there in Revelation 1 verse 7. Hopefully you can remember what we looked at yesterday. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. Can you see how these words dovetail together? It is the same dramatic scene. And then in verse 31, he shall send his angels to gather the elect from the four winds. So before we look at that, let's just... Reflect, stand back and reflect upon these words. These words are are majestic, aren't they? And we shouldn't overlook them. When the Lord Jesus Christ here appears with his bride, the saints, us, the appearance of Christ will change the world. There will never be in the history of time such an illustrious group of men and women who are who are granted immortality 
at the full revelation of Christ and the saints upon the earth. It is going to change the world. And each man and woman that day will, will possess the power of angels. And it's a humbling thought to think, isn't it? There upon the mount, the Mount of Olives in Zechariah chapter 12, where, where Christ reveals himself with the saints. That we can see ourselves there. Just as we're, we're looking at the swanic photo and the first thing we look at is how we're looking. And then we say it's a great photo, wasn't it? And we have no idea who else was on the photograph. It's something very similar. Can you spot on Zechariah chapter 12, can you spot your own face? Because there Jesus Christ is with all the saints and all the nations will behold it. And the saints are the faithful of old. They are the Bible characters. They are men and women that you love. That have fallen on sleep. And they are all there in God's good grace. But we need to reconcile what these verses are all about. We need to understand. So let's just think a little bit about what the elect refers to. Who are the elect? Because it's going to be the elect that are going to be gathered. If we conclude that Jesus Christ is coming with the saints... So he's not, therefore, gathering the saints. Then who, then, is he gathering? And as I said, this aspect of gathering is really crucial to this theme of the Son of Man. Well, it says there, the elect. And and let's just think a little bit about the elect. When we look at the Old Testament, it's very clear that the elect speak of God's people. For example, Isaiah 45. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect. I have even been called thee by name. I have surnamed thee. Thou hast not known me. All the way through the Old Testament, it is God's elect, his nation, his people, his beloved children. But what is it when we come to the New Testament? So let's have a look at Romans chapter 11. And as you know, this chapter is all about the olive tree of Israel. How the natural branches are broken off because of unbelief. But they do get grafted in once again. You you can see there that they get broken off in unbelief in verse 17. They're grafted in again in verse 23. But there's a big message. And let's just look at this big message here of this metaphor of this Israeli tree. Verse 25 then. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Okay, so it's telling us that God's grace will be extended to the Gentiles after the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified by the Jews. But there will come a time at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Gentile bride has been gathered to the Lord, that God's attention will once again turn to God's people, because of the father's sake because the sake of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob brother Peter mentioned it in his prayer in his opening remarks, the promises that we're involved in, that we're bound up in now what's also rather fascinating on all of this, I think the clincher is verse 28 as concerning the gospel they are enemies this is the nation of Israel, they are enemies for your sake, speaking to this Roman ecclesia But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. So even in the New Testament, it's speaking very clearly here that the elect, the election, belongs to God's people. And that's really important, isn't it? Because we we thought about 
the angels gathering up the elect. It's telling us very clearly that it's Israel. God, through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to gather up the nation of Israel. And so then when we look at Matthew chapter 24 and we think about the four winds and you think about where the Jews are scattered today, nine million Jews in the earth today, six million of them in America, they've all got to be gathered up. They've all got to be rounded up. They've all got to be brought back to the land. This is huge drama. And it's all part of this theme, the Son of Man coming in cloud. This is why it says in verse 26... All Israel shall be saved. That the language is very consistent. We've got another problem. Coming back to Matthew chapter 24. Who are the angels? Who are the angels? Who are the angels who are going to gather God's people, God's elect, the children of Israel? But, well, I think it's rather confusing that we read angels as God's angels. The Greek is angelos, I'm sure you all know, and it simply means one who is sent, a messenger. So they are God's messengers, but they're not actually God's messengers, because who are they? They are the Son of Man's messengers. Did you see that? That's really important, isn't it? How many times have we read these two verses? It's the Son of Man's messengers. It's his people, his brethren, his elect, that go Forward to gather God's elect from the four corners of the earth. And so we don't have time in in 15, 20 minutes. But what we're coming across now is the second exodus. An exodus that is going to be led by the saints as they march back into the land to re-establish the kingdom of God. And this is not to be confused with what's happened since 1948 and the the establishment of the state of Israel there. However dramatic it was the month of May in that particular year. This is something else. This is talking about all the Jews from around the world. They need to be truly converted into the gospel of Christ and re-established into the homeland of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. This is what we're talking about and it's a huge, huge (coughs) theme. I just want to touch on this, just to to whet your appetite. Let's look at the final prophecy in the Old Testament. And it's in Malachi chapter 4. And this work is going to be the future work of Elijah. And all I want to do is just to make a few connections with Romans 11 and Malachi 4. And you can do some studying in, in your own time, if you so wish. So Malachi then, chapter 4, these these closing words of the Old Testament. Uh, And we read these words. Behold, Old Testament closes, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And what's his role? (coughs) He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the world with a curse. Now you may have noticed, if you haven't nodded off, that... The words are very similar to what we're seeing in Romans chapter 11, when all Israel shall be saved. Can, can you remember, and you can, got it on the overhead here, that in this work, when all Israel shall be saved, that Jacob's ungodliness will be turned. And here we get the language, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. There's a, there's a work of turning. In fact, Elijah the Tishbite in 1 Kings 17 verse 1 The word Tishbite comes from the root, the turner. You you can refer to Elijah as the great turner. And this is why he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. 
so that they believe in the promises through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So however hard that is to imagine, Elijah and the saints now embark on a huge undertaking of going to the four corners of the earth and rounding up the Jews and bringing them back into the land. You might be thinking, well, why is this the theme of the Son of Man coming in clouds? We'll come to that in a moment. But what I want to do now is to show you that these prophecies are alive. I'm not just looking at a few chapters in isolation. This is a live theme. Have a look at Jeremiah chapter 3. You can have a chat with me afterwards if you want some further references. But Jeremiah chapter 3, and here Jeremiah the prophet, he's speaking to the diaspora, the, the scattered house of Israel. And he's speaking about them going back into the land of promise. And his language is powerful and direct. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 14. Turn. That's the language of Elijah. That's the language of Malachi 4. That's the language of Romans chapter 11. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. For I am married unto you. And I will take you one of a city and two of a family. And I, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you. Pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So we've got this role here, Elijah, who is going to be the turner. And notice that this is to backsliding Israel. You can pick out that phrase there in verse 6, halfway down, verse 8, verse 11 and verse 12. Okay, so this is to the diaspora, to the scattered house of Israel. And he's saying, you are going to turn. But but there's something interesting here, because he says there, halfway down verse 14, I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. So not everyone is going to make the course. Not everyone is going to finish. It's a a similar journey to Moses, who, who led the first exodus. When only a remnant entered into the land and something very similar is happening here. One of a city and two of a family will be brought to Zion. And and these Jews, just imagine it. They they hear the cry of Elijah and they have to forsake everything like disciples of Jesus. And for those in California and New York, that's going to be incredibly difficult as it is with us. But they will respond to the call. And verse 17, you might be thinking, well, perhaps these words were fulfilled. Well, they're not, because look at verse 17. When this happens, look what else happens. At that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall be gathered unto. That's very similar to Isaiah 2, isn't it? Come ye, let us go up to the mount of the Lord, to the house, the God of Jacob, to learn of his ways and, and walk in his paths. That's Isaiah 2 language, isn't it? This is kingdom language. This is prophecy yet to be fulfilled. And look at these pastors. Have a look in your margin in verse 15. God's going to send these Jews pastors. And these are shepherds. With knowledge and understanding. With knowledge and understanding. And I believe these shepherds that are sent are Elijah 
and the saints on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will feed God's flock with righteousness. And I believe, brothers and sisters and young people, that the pastors there and the shepherds are the angels of Matthew 24 and verse 31. Those that are sent on behalf of one. And the one who is king, who is sovereign, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so then they are working on behalf of him. What a wonderful picture to finish our weekend with. And all these Jews being brought back into the land and the the scales will fall off their eyes and they will recognise the Messiah. We've already seen that, haven't we? That that amazingly touching scene when they recognise this is the one they have pierced. But they're not going to be alone. Elijah and the saints are are not going to be alone. Have have a look at Isaiah chapter 16. Isaiah uh, chapter 16. And and here we read of certain Gentile nations. So we're right in the kingdom of God now. We're we're reading of certain Gentile nations that will support Jesus and Elijah in bringing these Jews back. Isaiah chapter 60 then, and and, and look at verse 3, and and right away you'll you'll get an appreciation of the context. And the Gentile shall come to thy light. And kings to the brightness of thy rising. That's language of Malachi 4, isn't it? This is implicitly the Son of Man coming in clouds with the Son of Righteousness. Verse 4. Lift up thine eyes round about and see all they gather themselves together. The, The gathering. They shall come to thee. Thy son shall come from afar. And thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. And so then we've got a, a representative group of nations who recognise the Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem and they respond positively. And what do they do? They do two things. They bring gold and silver to Jerusalem to establish the temple, the house of God. But they also bring Jews. They bring Jews from around the world to bring them back into the land. Now have a look at verse 4. What a powerful metaphor we have Here, we see in verse 4 as Jerusalem as a mother. Lots of mums here this weekend. Jerusalem is this mother and she's crying. But she's weeping for joy because her sons and daughters are being brought back. Can you see that? The nations are assisting Jerusalem. This this metaphor of a woman who's weeping over her children and they're coming back to her. And notice here that she's a nursing mother. You, you may have in your margin. She's nursing them at her side. And so then you've got this lovely picture. As, as these sons and daughters come back, she, she grabs them and she embraces them. And she brings them close to her chest and she loves them. She's missed them. They have been away from her for so many years. Two thousand years. Isn't this lovely? And there's other snapshots of this glorious picture. Just jot down the references here. It's the different snapshots of the same glorious scene. You've got Isaiah 49 and verse 22, where where sons are carried in the arms and, and daughters on the shoulders of the Gentiles. And then we've got Isaiah 66 and verse 20, where the, the Gentiles bring the Jews 
on horses and, and, and chariots and mules and, and camels. And, and there's this great exodus. The second exodus is live. And the whole world stands back in amazement. In amazement. Well, we're in Isaiah 60 there. Have a, have a look at verse 6. Just want to pick out a, a few little items here. When, when this is going on, Notice in Isaiah 60 and verse 6 that there's gold. Can you see that? Near the end of the verse. And there is incense. There is gold and there is incense in Jerusalem. Now, some of you may have a a different translation to incense. You may have frankincense. So in Jerusalem this time, there is gold and there is frankincense. What does that remind you of? That's the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? But what's missing Myrrh. And myrrh is a symbol of suffering. And there's no suffering for Jerusalem anymore. She's no longer mourning for her children. They are back. She celebrates. And what's in Jerusalem is gold. Gold. Purified faith and incense. A symbol of the prayer of the saints. And that is what exists within the land. And so what triggers that? They are in the midst of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is king and he's enthroned in Jerusalem. So so just picture this then. Not Moses leading the children of Israel, but Elijah and the saints. And and perhaps you could spot yourself in faith. You're involved in that work. What, What an amazing job that is. You're involved in that work. In converting the, the Jewish diaspora. And grafting them back in again into the olive. This is Romans 11. This is not just Isaiah and Jeremiah prophecies. This is Romans 11. This is language that we all understand. But I said that the nations will be absolutely astonished at the power of the Jews. Just as the the Egyptians were. and, And when Rahab met Joshua, she knew all about the power of Yahweh. And look at these words. No need to turn them up. But Micah chapter 7 has a, a little glimpse of the future. According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvellous things. The nation shall see and be confounded with all their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. Another translation has these Words, nation shall see that they may turn pale at their valour. This is another Moses Exodus, isn't it? We've got to believe these things, brothers and sisters. It's recorded in God's word. But the reason why I really brought you to chapter 60 is, is found in verses 8 and 9. Let's just read these words together. Remember, we're, we're trying to pick out this theme, Christ coming in clouds. Here we've got it. Who are these that fly as a cloud? And as the doves to their windows, surely the isle shall wait for me and the ships of Tarshish first to bring thy sons from far, their silver and their gold with them, unto the name of Yahweh thy God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. And so here, Isaiah in the distance spots some activity and it's really exciting and his attention is drawn to it. And what does he see? A flotilla of boats from the four corners of the earth. And they're bringing Jewish sons and daughters back 
into the land. And why? Because they know Jesus Christ is there. Revelation 1 verse 7. Every eye shall see him and the nations of the earth will respond. And here's the Lord Jesus Christ no longer wearing the Stephanus. He's wearing the diadem. He is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. Well, just imagine those ships. So many ships are involved that their sails fill the sky. I want you just to imagine this. The sails fill the skies. These ships are being brought back as Isaiah sees this flotilla of boats being brought into the land. And there are so many sails that Isaiah sees that he likens the sails that are flapping in the sky as clouds. And these clouds are loaded with Jews, God's people. Just as Jesus Christ went into heaven, just as the the saints are taken to judgment, now there's another aspect of Jesus Christ coming in clouds. Something else is within these clouds. And it's the Jewish brothers and sisters and they are being brought back into the land. And what a lovely description it is that these clouds are described as doves, the swiftness of doves. And if you know anything about doves, you'll know that they cover huge distances and they know their way home. There's nothing like them. They are unparalleled in the animal kingdom. And they know their way home. In fact, some translations have their windows as their nests. And who's guiding them? Surely it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Surely it's Elijah and the saints navigating all the nations of the earth to bring about his purpose in the land. And so then, this, as, as we finish now, this, this breathtaking moment with the, the skies of heaven being filled with these clouds, loaded with the sons and daughters of Israel. And Jerusalem is this metaphor. She's weeping over her children. She is rejoicing and she, she embraces them as a, as a nursing mother. And they come back home. And can you imagine Can you imagine the sweetness of the moment when these Jews, from the four corners of the earth, they meet the Lord? It will be a scene very reminiscent of Zechariah 12 and 13, where they will weep over him whom they pierced. And any expectation, any understanding, any appreciation they've got of the Son of God will not be realised because this will be a man who will meet them with open arms. He will be an extension of Jerusalem. He's the one who's going to gather them up. And love them and embrace them and receive them back home. And so, brothers and sisters, then, this dramatic weekend at a very pacey um, speed that we've had with Brother Johnny and this series, it finishes now. And it finishes the final chapter of Christ coming in clouds is the branches are finally grafted in to the olive tree of Israel. The Jews are home. God's kingdom has been established. Jesus Christ is enthroned in Jerusalem. The people of God are now united, separated for so many years. Now united as one. And Christ is sovereign over the earth. Brothers and sisters, young people, let's not miss out on this opportunity. Christ is coming. He's coming in clouds. And this is the final chapter of this unfolding, ongoing drama. One day, one day, the door is going to knock. 
Let's make sure, let's make sure this very day that we will be ready for it.